0: That one driven deep right field. They could go! Gone for Morgan Chris. And finish Chamberlain. That ball. Going to the wall. Chamberlain the second for this first hit. Rounded right second. Going to third. For this first hit of the season. So and the pitch. That was one swung deep to left. And that one's gone! Sammy Sieben with a three-run shot. And the Warhawks take the lead. Uh, hello and welcome to the third episode of Podcast on D Shot. am um, available on YouTube and Instagram for the video one. I think I might try to get this one on Facebook so that a lot of people can see this one. Um, and then Spotify and Google Podcasts now for the audio side of things. And this is the one that I really wanted to do when I started this is to get uh, Lance Leipold, the uh, fastest ever to 100 wins in NCAA history, uh, former Whitewater coach, six time national champ and current head man at Buffalo. So Lance, thanks for joining me.
1: Great to be with you, Dan. Hope everything's going well for you in Wisconsin. All
0: right, so my first question is after you accepted the job at Buffalo, um, during your final playoff run, run at whitewater reporters asked you how you would look back at your time at whitewater. Um, now that time has passed and, um, this is kind of a little nod to your response. Um, when you were taking that question, uh, maybe you've had time to to think about it on a beach. Um, <laughs> what comes to mind when you think about um, your time at whitewater? You know, uh, one thing I can say taking this job it, it I
1: think the between spring football the non-stop recruiting things like that it, it, it's really been hard to take a lot of time to reflect and like I said I, I'll probably do a better job of answering someday from that beach but uh, I think the thing I look at is um, really how proud uh, I am of of our staff and the players in the program and 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 to look at, uh, you know, the, some of the efforts and the th- struggles of, of building a program here, I've learned to appreciate what we had at Whitewater, what what we inherited when I took over for Coach Bresowitz, but uh, probably the most important thing is the level of play and success that we're able to maintain. And you mentioned, you know, the six championships and, and. Uh, you know, it's it's not easy to do, and uh, there's been some excellent teams since we have left, and and I think sometimes when you're on a good roll, whether you're internal or, or external, you're not really appreciating it. And I and I've thought about it here recently about I really appreciate uh, the attitude and effort of all our players that contributed to those that that success.
0: Um, during my last podcast interview with you in 2014, after your 100th win, I asked you about what seasons stuck out to you. Your response was 2008, a season where Whitewater lost a game during the world the, during the regular season and fought back to get to the national title game. Is that still the season that sticks out to you, or I'm just really curious because 2013, 2014 really stick out to me. As seasons where Whitewater had some adversity and overcame some deficits and had to get some stops, just what's that season that sticks out to you now?
1: Yeah, I, I think as we go through that, Dan, I, I think the 13 season is, is is probably one as well. And the reason why I said just to, for for the people listening, and watching, is that the 2018, you know, there was a lot of things on the that that were set that we there was a, a good nucleus coming back after the, for the 2017, it was a small senior class in 2008. And there was a lot of things saying that, okay, we're the run, the run of, of stag bowls was probably going to come to an end. And, and for that group to battle, and then that set the table for the, you know, to win, you know, 45 uh, straight, 46 straight and, and do those things. So I really admired that part of it. And then after the seven and three season, you know, again, I, I think people looked at it as, okay, now now those runs are, are done, and we had some coaching changes, we had some things, and then really kind of retooled ourselves in a lot of different directions, and and to be able to play uh, and win, and, and win the Stag Bowl, especially in 13, the way we did uh, decisively, I think, was was definitely one that will always stick in my mind. The fourteen season, again, to come back and do it, um, having a taste of success but staying hungry enough to do it again and then um, you know really was tough to, to accept this job knowing it was the right thing to do but also try to keep things focused and for us to battle through that distraction and and still finish on a high note all will always be something that uh, I'll be proud of.
0: Um, during your 109th and sixth stretch at Whitewater um, what is the game that you think about most or what's the most impressive <laughs> win or, that, or win that you're most oh, proud of?
1: Wow, I don't know if there's going to be one specific one. Uh, uh, wins, I, I think the one that, uh, you know, really kind of helped get us going is, a, uh, I think through the transition of becoming the head coach and in the, in the, uh, I think the team believing in things was the comeback win in 2007 at uw lacrosse. When I think we were down close to 18 or something like that heading into the fourth quarter came back and won I think that one was big um obviously the stag bowls are big uh the Mary Harden Baylor battles uh were always huge uh the Linfield games were there I I think those were some of the ones uh, I, I think the Warper game the, the first game after I accepted this job where we were behind and I think uh, a lot of people will thought that, you know, it was an emotional draining weekend on the team and for us to kind of battle back. Those, those are probably some. I think a fun win was um, uh, when, uh, when we played Wabash in the snowstorm in, in 2007, that, that, that was great. But, uh, um, you know, as a coach and, and kind of striving, probably those losses are the ones that stick in my mind of, of some some the ones that I thought were obtainable. Um, you know, we, the Buffalo state game was disappointing, um, you know, uh, and things of that nature, but those were all good learning times. And I, I think that's one of the things that we had to learn to persevere through was, uh, making sure that we could close the gap on close games.
0: Okay. Um, I definitely would say, um, from a whitewater perspective, I think the most impressive from my side is probably that 2013, 2013 Stag Bowl with uh, how many points Mount Union had given up on defense before that, um, that uh, 2012 season was definitely rough. Even though you guys could have made the playoffs that year as well, a few plays here and there. Um, yeah. Maybe Barrett could have started earlier. I mean, that's kind of my, you know. Yeah.
1: Well, that, you know, and I look at that, I know a lot of people felt that way. I mean, I, I look back at the job Lee Brecky did for us in the five playoff games the year before. I think the thing one, you know, we had lost Ryan Gibbons and Tyler Huber to, to, to both had uh, fractured ankles and, and those were the two fastest uh, kind of explosive players on our offense. And we lost those guys. So we lost our, 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 you know, our, our ability to be highly explosive and, and it took away some things for us and it made us a little more one dimensional and, and uh, it, it, it affected us. And, uh, but again, I, I think there was a, a part of that that, and I go back to the original thing that you had asked me about looking back and reflecting is, um, I also think there was a group of players as we kind of, as all players do is sometimes when you, you come into a program that has high success, you're not always uh, sure of all the ways that, uh, what it took to get there. And I, and I do think we probably hit a small part of a lot of 15 game seasons, a lot of things about, hey, it's gonna take care of itself and by not making the playoffs, I think re, re-energized and refocused coaches and players. And I think that's why some of that turnaround in 13 and uh, injecting new blood in the coaching staff, all those things help, uh, helped us to, to kind of take take it
0: on the next two years. All right, now for some, a little bit, some transition questions into Buffalo. Um, Kevin Bullis has kept Whitewater in the national title conversation since your departure at Whitewater. Um, what is your assessment of Kevin and how he has done at Whitewater?
1: I think Kevin's done an outstanding job. I think again, at the division three level, the, the, all the, the challenges that, that it has and, and Kevin, of course, did not walk into a, to, to a easy situation just based on expectations. And that's kind of what I went to, that we found out in that 2012 season, it's not just going to happen. And then, and not only was it, the head coach leaving uh you know the the majority of the staff left so kevin had a chance to you know hire his staff put his stamp on it and like you said he's kept him in the national spotlight and and going going deep in had a bowl appearance and i think he's done well and uh and and so it's for a first time head coach and a chance to do that i i think he's done some things and he's and he's taken it even to a different level in some other areas and and I'm i'm happy and
0: proud of kevin um, I'm going to jump to uh, my seventh question quick because you were talking about your staff. Um, there's several examples, including your staff at Buffalo and throughout the MAC of Division Three coaching successes. Um, if you look at other mm-hmm. um, MAC schools, Daryl Galpaso, who is on your staff at Whitewater and Buffalo, Lucas Skiba is hold up. Lucas Skiba is a GA um, at NIU as well, and then you look at. Uh, Jason Candle is the head coach at Toledo. Vince Karras jumped to being defensive coordinator at Toledo, and then a guy who beat Whitewater and uh, Mount Union in the same year. Uh, Peyton Manning's former backup, Tom Arth, is the head coach at Akron. How proud are you to say that some some of these you and some of these other Division Three coaches are making these jumps? And what does that say about Division Three football?
1: Well, it says a lot, and I'll add one other one in there, Dan, is uh, Chris Creighton, head coach at uh, Eastern Michigan, was that head coach at Wabash when we played in that snowstorm in, uh, in 2007. And uh, Tim Lester, the head coach at Western Michigan, was the former head coach at Elmhurst and was the defensive coordinator um, when uh, we played North Central in 2007. So there's a, a, you know, there's a lot of things within our conference meetings where there's a lot of pride and, and respect, about uh, Division Three football and, and what has to be done, whether it be through fundraising and all the other hats you have to wear, uh, the type of players, the, the the recruiting that has to be done. And uh, I think it, it has shown a lot and, and hopefully it opens up more opportunities because um, I, I think it's, you know, I, I said it in my press conference here and I still believe it today, there's a lot of things that you got to learn and get better at, but football is still football and playing well and, and, and coaching the fundamentals has uh, is important. And I think that's one thing that has truly helped us here. And I think we're known as a program that, that uh, has done a good job evaluating players, but more importantly, our development of our players and playing the game uh, in, in a sound way that gives us a chance to compete for championships is really shown. And I think it goes back to the grassroots of where we've come from.
0: Is it weird um, like meeting karis after a toledo game now or well
1: we haven't played them yet you know so kind of talked about it i was uh so uh but jason and i kind of talk about it you know i i never competed against tom Arth before but uh but yeah the you know between chris creighton and some of those guys and and where you you've you've kind of crossed paths and it's unique but i think there's a lot of respect you know i think there's respect of, of where everybody's come from and that's one thing that makes uh uh, the MAC is uh, uh, really a special league, and I've really come to appreciate it because many of many people have had to fight through the ranks to get there. And uh, there's a lot of similarities, probably even more so in the Michigan Ohio schools, as it might be even in would it be the the WIAC and the, and the closeness of the schools and, and the recruiting and kids that know each other. There's a lot of that, and, and it kind of makes it uh, makes it special. Um,
0: where was I? Oh, um, I've you have Wisconsin up on the non-conference schedule in a couple of years. I'm just curious though, Glenn Caruso's at St. Thomas, are you ever going to think about scheduling them at some point or, uh, you know, we—that's probably another, some other good battles with
1: Taylor. you know, right now, St. Thomas is playing FCS football at the non-scholarship level. Okay. So, so in order to schedule those people as an FBS team, you have to, they, they have to average, um, so many scholarships in a given period of time for that game to count for bowl eligibility so unless they add scholarships i I do not see us uh playing a pioneer conference
0: opponent right now okay um all right so uh jake kumaro has spent time across the nfl the last few seasons a couple seasons with the packers last season as a buffalo bill um and with the saints as well um obviously you keep in touch with your former players either at Whitewater Buffalo, um, but how much have you talked to him while he, since he's been at Buffalo? Um, and do you plan on trying to get him to one of your games after this pandemic, as long as he's a bill?
1: Well, I guess about the game portion of it, I could tell you that when when Jake was with Cincinnati and we played down at Miami of Ohio, he did come to a game and was on the sideline. And one of our our, our tight ends from Buffalo here was also is on the on the Bengals, so those guys were there together. Uh, it was great to see him. Jake and I do stay in contact. When he was let go by the Packers, I was like everyone, you know, disappointed. And, but uh, we have an outstanding relationship with, uh, with, with the Bills and um, we used to use their indoor facility, but now have our own. But uh, through that time, I, I actually kind of sent a text out that I, I, you know, really thought that what we've been able to observe of what the Bills have done and, and the culture and the type of players they have in their organization that Jake would be a good fit. And they had uh, responded to me that they were trying to sign him and and it all kind of worked out that way with the pandemic and everything going on. Everybody's pretty, uh, you know, operating in their own bubbles and have to be very careful. So we weren't able to get Jake up here. I know when they, when they took him off the active roster, kind of put him back out there, they wanted to keep him on board. Then, then he went down to New Orleans, now he's back up here. So we're looking forward to it when they get to the off season and it, absolutely, we'd want to get him here for a game and get him up around our players when, when time allows. So uh, really proud of him and the way he's persevered. And it's a it's a tough road to be consistent, but he, he continues to show that he has the ability to play at that level.
0: What's your, What was your response to how much Rogers loved him?
1: Yeah, impressive. You know, it was, it, it shows about how, you know, Jake, I said this, after his first year at Whitewater, there was something that switched in his approach to it. And whether it be his off-season approach, his practice habits, and I've always said, it's one of the best things that you can have going in a program, and we had a player like that this year in our running back, Jared Patterson, is that when your best players are your best practice players, you've got a great chance to have a highly successful team. And that was Jake Kumro. And you could see that the way he practiced, the way he paid attention to detail, that he earned the confidence of, of Aaron Rodgers, where he knew what he that he had confidence and that he'd be where he's supposed to be, was on the same page. And when you have one of the best quarterbacks ever to play in the NFL feel that way, um, it, it's a great compliment to him.
0: Um, I'm curious about um, this next question because I've seen your division one coach now, um, but uh, from an outside point of view now, um, what was your response to, Quinn Miner's performance at the senior bowl. He has a chance to get drafted. Uh, Derek Stanley was the last one um, Mm -hmm. that got drafted at Whitewater. I actually got that Jersey now um, because I won it in the athletics auction. So what do you think that that will mean to Whitewater um, that in terms of terms of that? And how how do you, what was your response to that performance? You know,
1: as he kind of became the, the talk of the, Uh, of the senior bowl, you know, and and part of it was based on personality and and all those other things, but nobody, but when it what slightly overshadowed was how he was playing. But the thing that, you know, from my time as a former Warhawk player and being a former coach there, that I was extremely proud of is that his passion to want to play the game. I think that's what showed most. And I think that's one thing about uh, the, you know, the division three, game in and of itself is that here he was injured and he still wanted to play. He wanted his opportunity. He wasn't looking for a way not to get, not to go out and compete and do that. And sometimes, uh, you don't see that as much anymore and everybody's looking for a way not to play and, uh, and, and to see him do that. Um, I was, uh, I was happy for him. I was happy for coach Bullis and, and the whole program.
0: Um, You've taken a Buffalo program that was at the bottom of the conference and only had two bowl appearances before you got there. Um, You've turned them around to one of the better teams in the MAC. And um, your first season, you missed out on a bowl game, um, two and ten in your second, which is kind of a transition year between quarterbacks, between Joe Licata and then Tyree Jackson. But uh, the last three years, you guys have gotten to a bowl and won two. Um, What are some of the things that helped turn – um, turn the program around.
1: Well, I think, you know, I, I appreciate you saying that because really in the last four years, we've won the most games in the mid American conference, you know, and, I, and, and that was the goal from the time we got here. We didn't feel we took shortcuts. We we're going to build the program, the very similar type of blueprint that we we're going to be, uh, that we had at whitewater. We're going to, we're going to play excellent defense. Um, two years ago, we rated a top 10 net nationally. A lot of things this last year, we were top in scoring, um, we're going to be a physical team, and you know, be solid in both offensive and defensive lines, um, and strive for balance. We run running the ball pretty well right now, but I still kind of talked about it earlier. Dan was, I think, it still goes back to player development, and uh, you know, we've been we've been trying to do that from from the start here, and I think that's been kind of the consistent way of doing it. We're we're going to try to win the turnover battle. We're not going to beat ourselves in penalties, and uh, just. Kind of, you know, it's it, it may not be as flashy as some other people are doing it, but we want to do it as consistently and, and again being in Buffalo, New York is much like being in Wisconsin okay and, and it's got to be is that you're going to play some games where the weather's not going to be the best and you better be ready to find any way to get it done. And, and we've been able to do so and I'm really proud about where we're at as a program. That conference championship game has eluded us a couple times, and we got to find a way to get that over the hump and win a, win a conference championship.
0: Um, what kind of philosophies carried over from Whitewater to Buffalo obviously, Um, You kind of hit on some of that. Um, but uh, what's the next step for the program?
1: Well, I think, you know, philosophically, we've kind of you know taking the same approach where we're, we're going to get better by working hard each and every day we build we we feel that uh internal internal daily competition um you know uh you know raises the bar for everyone you got to go out every day to compete hopefully you're you're doing a good job like i said in recruiting and evaluating and having depth so players are motivated to get better each and every day for themselves for to reach their goals but also for the program and again, it's gonna be that consistent work ethic that's gonna get not only us to be the team that we wanna be, but these are also the life skills that we wanna to try to build within our players. And so those are some of the things that I think we've tried to carry over. You know, There's been small tweaks along the way, but we practice very similarly like we did at Whitewater. We try to get a lot of reps. We don't have a lot of guys standing around. Um, it helps morale, it builds that depth we're talking about, so those those are many of the same things that we've done, and like I said, it may not be the flashiest, but it's, it works very well for us.
0: Um, I was gonna kind of ask, one of the questions I was thinking of asking was, is there any, like, quotes that you ever, like, <laughs> anything that you, because I feel like, Jeremy and kevin he always has certain things that he always says like holy buckets i got i got i gotta be candid fellas that was great yeah, that was a great freaking play Winsky. Yeah, um are there, a, yeah yeah um did did you ever have any of those and
1: you know you'd have to tell the ones that probably listen to me more than i i myself i'm sure um I'm mimicked many times, <laughs> excuse me, and I probably have my my uh, my go-to's as well, but uh, I try to try to keep it uh, genuine as I can and, and authentic every time. Uh, my wife has told me many times that I'm better when I'm off the cuff than than things that are
0: rehearsed, so I try to
1: I try to keep it that
0: way. Did that dancing thing that we've seen in the locker room after <laughs> some big wins? Is that something new or is that, uh, did that go all the way back to Whitewater?
1: No, you know, I've never been a, a, a big one of that, you know, as, as times have changed and locker room celebrations have changed, you know, uh, as social media kind of continues to grow, you you see players, you know, coaches doing that at other programs. So our guys, uh, you know, sometimes want you to, to do some of that. I, I think, uh, you know, I, As we've gone through it, especially you mentioned like the two and 10 season, there's been other things along the way that have been very challenging. Um, I think if there's one thing I've changed is that I'm trying to enjoy it more. I I think there was, you know, along the way at Whitewater just trying to, to keep it going at a high level, probably uh, I didn't enjoy the winds as much as I should have at times and and when you win only, when you go two and 10 and do other things, uh, I've learned to embrace the victories a little bit more and, and, and try to try to show the players that I'm enjoying it as well. And uh, I don't want to make that a habit because uh, obviously I'm not a very good dancer.
0: <laughs> um, I might as well give props to your play-by-play guy because I've listened to your guys' games on the radio a couple of times and, and some of the digital content and he's really good.
1: Yeah. Paul Peck is, uh, he's amazing. He's, uh, he's done a great job. Um, you know, he's a local guy here. He used to do a lot of television, um, but uh, you know, he's done a great job for, you know, between our, our television shows, our radio, he was college roommates with uh, Mike Tirico at Syracuse and uh, you know, Syracuse has an ex- ex- excellent, excellent uh, sports journalism and communications program there. As you see, they know a lot of ESPN people and so on are, are Syracuse grads. So he's one of the best and you're not the first guy that uh, you know maybe has a whitewater tie or somebody that has followed our team a little bit that has commented that they really enjoy listening to him. Um,
0: what are the, some of the things that surprised you about the jump from division three to FBS and what are the differences in recruiting?
1: Ooh, um, differences, well, I also said, uh, the biggest one is the amount of people that you have to deal with daily. Uh, you know, there's, you know, Division three. there's times where it's only you and maybe one other coach in the building. And now, now there's, you know, we, now through Zoom, you start to even see, and, and, and as staffs have grown and other things, you know, we'll have over 30 on a Zoom call just in staff. And that's not even all the trainers and other people. And just, and, and with that becomes dissemination of information and also making sure that the message is, is consistent, and clear for the players. And uh, so you gotta make sure that you got people that are, uh, you know, uh, you know when you see staff changes and why they sometimes make changes all the way across the board. So you get people are, that, that are on the same page as you. So that was probably the biggest one. Recruiting, uh, different, obviously on you know, Whitewater, a lot of times if, you know, if you stretch it to three hours you know, past, you know, in the Green Bay area or past it. And, you know, we didn't go a lot to the Western part of Wisconsin and we go down in Chicago. Well, um, you know, we probably have, I don't know, we got a little better, but there's not more than 10 players on this team from within, you know, an hour. Okay. So, um, the travel, the distance that we have to go to get players, the, the, the recruiting and the grind of recruiting and, you know, as a head coach at certain times, you know, I'm on five different flights in a week. And, uh, and uh, just, so the time in that way, the evaluation, um, you know, at Whitewater. Is, a lot of- is
0: the evaluation more, is you, at Buffalo, is there much of getting to high school games uh, as much as there was at Whitewater or. Did it, going to high school games? Yeah. I don't know how much. Um, we don't level. as much
1: because uh you know if we're traveling you know playing on Saturdays uh you know we're we're in hotels we have meetings Friday nights you know we do get to some I don't get to as many um unless it's an open week um but you know uh again then for our assistant coaches the spring um is is a big time for uh, for them to go see players in states that have spring football the month of June is heavily involved in travel, going to camps. You know, we're at Whitewater, the majority of our camps were for, to help develop high school players. It was also used as a fundraising source, okay? Um, At this level, it's 99% recruiting and evaluation and very little for fundraising. And yeah, you're trying to help players get better as well because not every guy's recruitable, but it is mainly Um, for that and and so with that that's a lot of travel time for for our coaches
0: Um, I'm going to add in another Whitewater question because I definitely feel this way Um, do you feel like your impact at Whitewater was more than football because obviously there was such a trickle down effect in terms of the success within the other programs
1: um that's not for me to really decide Dan I guess I I would hope that i've had i've had some of my former peers here and when they when i was still there i at least feel that the way we went about it the expectation that there was a i don't want to say a trickle down i'd rather just say a filtering of a, a way to go about it and and a and a, a confidence hopefully an approach that kind of hopefully would would have filtered through maybe other ways of the athletic department. I hope our success was viewed as a way and the investments that were made were a way to benefit the university. I I hope our our alums and I'm being one of those and proud of what we were able to do. It helped maybe help us put this school a little bit more on the map than it ever had been before. And I, I just hope it made others reconnect with the university, but those are those are my hopes I I don't somebody else can make the decision if that that
0: was true or not okay um next year's outlook for Buffalo um Jarrett Patterson looks headed to the NFL um Kevin Marks is a pretty solid back behind him last year uh is Van Treese coming back yep yep Kyle's
1: got another he actually could have two years so um yeah, we are excited about it. We're going to get started next week here, spring football. And uh, you know, you mentioned Kevin Marks, a very talented running back. We we lose an excellent back and Jared Patterson, who you know really you know was a record-setting back for us. But um, with the extra year granted by the NCAA, uh, we we've been able to have the majority of the guys that, that have stayed. I, I think about five to six might have to elected to either move on or or and you know put their chances into the NFL. But uh, a good nucleus coming back. But the unique thing about college football is how many, how many players did stay back at each school and how does that impact depth and everything across the board um, within the conference. And uh, it's, a, it's a challenging conference, but uh, we're excited
0: about where we can be next year. Um, I guess some uh, pandemic questions, anything that you've binged, watched during this time or? <laughs> What's the number one thing from Wisconsin that you wish you would take to Buffalo, New York?
1: Well, bratwurst are still kind of like you, you can get them, but it's just not quite the same. Um, I feel like you're going to say Culver's. I was going to say Culver's. <laughs> okay, that, that that would be the most, because it would, would be Culver's. Um, everything else you kind of get, uh, there's excellent food out here, but if there was one uh, one thing that I'd take would maybe be uh a butter burger, some cheese curds and, uh, a concrete mixer.
0: Okay. Um, get out to any, uh, i you're a big Brewers fan and Packers fan. Um, have you you've gotten out to any of those things out in New York, if they're playing like any of the New York teams.
1: No, you know, really, uh, um, you know, for, for those that are watching you know, geographically, we're about like, uh, we're like superior to Whitewater almost. We're, we're seven hours to here in New York City. We're three hours from Cleveland, about three from Pittsburgh. But actually the closest, the only Major League Baseball game I've seen since we moved out here has been uh, a Blue Jays game because we're about an hour and 45 minutes to uh, to the dome there to watch the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays, during the pandemic, played right here at our A. We have a A team here. and. Uh, um, been to a couple Sabres uh, hockey games but but not a lot that way and again uh the recruiting calendar the other things uh those are those are a little bit more difficult to to get to
0: okay um i know you've been to fenway and that pro football hall of fame had the mac thing a couple of years ago you Want to talk about that experience
1: yeah, um, you know, uh, Ford Field in Detroit was being renovated, and they moved our media days to to Canton to the Hall of Fame, and and uh, it was really great because you're you're able to bring two players with you, and um, those players got a chance to do some touring on their own and stuff, and and to have some things there, and um, I'm hoping to get my son there one of these days, and it just never seems to happen, but uh, again, within good driving distance for for them to see that, I think that's that's unique. Um, you know, uh, so it, I, go ahead.
0: I, I was going to add into, you said you're by Ohio, um, the next couple of years, Whitewater obviously could have an, a chance to play a national championship game in Canton. Um, if you guys didn't have a bowl game, um, during that time, would you ever kind of try to make that happen and Go, go watch whitewater in a national championship from like a I... Yeah,
1: if i could yeah schedule permitting you know if it would work uh absolutely uh again at that time usually i don't know if it's a recruiting period where we have a recruiting weekend and all that i don't know i'd see if coach bullis can get me some tickets i guess it all depends i'd have to see see what i could do but yeah if if it would work out of course um you know if. have you know, obviously, we're we're about an hour away from Rochester, St. John Fisher's, an outstanding, uh, another outstanding uh, school, Brockport's very close to us as well. Those are good D3 schools and and uh, have fine facilities. And, you know, I was kind of even hoping if, uh, you know, obviously we came out here to play Buff State when I was coaching there. Hopefully, maybe there's even a chance for a non-conference game. And uh, that would be great if it could work out to, to any time you can watch them.
0: Um, I guess this last question, I know that, um, your dad passed away recently. I know that he was an athletic director at Jefferson. Um, what did you learn most from your dad? Wow. That could, we could take up this whole
1: interview. What I learned, from my dad, <laughs> my, my dad also played basketball at Whitewater. And okay. uh, I think the one thing I, about my dad, about doing things the right way and doing them with humility, uh, he's a very humble man. I always told me that you don't have to let your, your mouth do the talking, if if you're doing it, people will know. And uh, you don't have to brag, you don't do it, but uh, doing it the right way, being a team guy, um, and finish what you start. And I think when you go back to one of the early things we talked about when I took this job here at Buffalo, there was one of the conditions of, of taking the job was that I was allowed to finish. And uh, I think that goes back to one of the first things my father taught me as a youth was you can always not go back out, but you don't quit. And uh, I guess I'm, you know, very blessed that way.
0: All right, coach. Um, I think that's all I got. Um, Anything you want to add or. I think you did a good job. I think we hit on
1: a lot of things. So, uh, but. uh, um, I'll do it again sometime down the road. Be glad to do it.
0: All right, coach. Thanks for joining me and horns up. Yeah, horn. There you go, babe. All right. right. Thanks, man. Yep. All right. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Podcasts on DSHOT. Feel free to give any of the other episodes a listen as a lot of them have some great, exciting content as well as some great interviews. Don't forget to give my Facebook page a like, Daniel Shotler Journalist, as well as give me a follow on Twitter or Instagram at DSHOT1992. Don't forget to subscribe if you're on Google Podcasts or Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find this. And hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for listening and have a good day.